is September 21st, 2022. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, I'll uh, share a little announcement uh, after a two-year hiatus. Uh, the return of the Geek Meet is happening this Sunday, the 25th, uh, over at Ala Moana, and I'll get you, give you a little bit more details in a minute. And then we'll be joined by Governor David Ige and State uh, Chief Information Officer Doug Murdoch. And, of course, we'll get an update on the, the latest Hawaii Annual Code Challenge and kind of recap the seven years that it's been going as an annual event. So right now I want to tell you about the annual uh, Geek Meet, what, which was uh, kind of put on hiatus, you know, due to the pandemic. So uh, it is actually back, and this Geek Meet is a chance for all the geeks to get out, get some sun, and enjoy some uh, cool kind of uh, tech booths and, and demonstrations and, and a variety of different things uh, at the beach. And this is going to take place at Ala Moana Beach on Magic Island. And that's coming up on Sunday, September 25th, and it goes from 9 a.m. all the way to 3 p.m. And a geek meet uh, draws technical and creative people out into the sun, encourage them to share their passions with kids and families uh, at a free, casual outdoor event that's designed to highlight the many unique interests and talents of our local community. And, of course, uh, some examples of some of the folks that are going to be a part of the Geek Meet. You have the uh, folks over at the University of Hawaii Institute for Astronomy. Uh, and of course, you've got the um, high school robotics is going to be demonstrated. And of course, there'll be some drones and some Lego builders. So a variety of different things. Go check it out. It'll be over at, again, on this Sunday over at Magic Island. Uh, this is the uh, the Geek Meet after a two-year hiatus. So go check it out. And right now, I want to welcome, I'm happy to have Governor David Ige. And, of course, we've got the state uh, chief information officer, Doug Murdoch, and they're both here. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that they took some time out of their busy schedules to join us to talk about the 7th Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. And I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Yeah, aloha. It's uh, terrific to aloha. be on. And we do know that it's been a challenge during this pandemic, and it's uh, great to be back. Yeah, and you know, Governor, uh, I was looking at my notes, and I think I had you in the studio probably about four years ago, you know, and <laughs> and then, uh, of course, I didn't have anybody in the studio during the pandemic, and I'm still kind of doing the the phone in option. So, uh, I I um, I think uh, you know, all of our lives have changed quite a bit, but uh, I'm I'm glad the the code challenge has has continued, and I think it's embraced the. Uh, sort of the hybrid environment. I think it went uh, pretty virtual for the last couple of years. But uh, maybe I wanted to start with you, Governor. Tell us a little bit how this how this Hawaii Annual Code Challenge uh, started. What was the little brainchild that uh, you kind of helped to bring to bring to reality? Well, you know, um, it started uh, seven years ago, obviously. But um, I was. Uh, judging um, an AT&T code challenge with uh, Todd Nakapoi, mm-hmm. who was, um, preceded uh, Doug as uh, chief information officer. Um, and we were sitting there judging uh, the AT&T uh, hackathon. And I just turned to Todd. I said, you know, this would be great. We need to have uh, a hackathon for the state. Uh, and it really would, uh, you know, help us. Uh, do a couple things you know one is um and bert as you know we've we've been talking about it for a long time but 
really built building the ecosystem for the local development in the islands, right? I mean, it's something that we uh, want to see. Obviously, you can code anywhere in the world, um, and people would love to live in Hawaii. So it's really an opportunity to build the ecosystem and, and support for um, coding and software development. You know, the other uh, objective really was to um, engage the state department and um, and have them interact with uh, coders and um, software developers, you know, to make them feel comfortable with using technologies as uh, solutions for their biggest challenge, um, really ensure that um, the, the public servants could become aware of the possibilities that uh, technology would deliver. Because um, I felt that that was um, um, very important, um, and then you know it's really about um, uh, encouraging more use of technology in the state to solve the biggest challenges. And you know I I think it's about getting the development community uh, to uh, take on some of these in real world kind of challenges, and you know really. Um, code and find a tech solution that would help um, the people of Hawaii and uh, help the agencies. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, I remember the first one. I think, uh, help me help remember, <laughs> help my memory. I, I think it was at uh, the HPU, right? We did it at HPU. And uh, uh, we had a really great uh, showing. And it was kind of a combination of, of uh, local professional programmers and developers that were in the community that wanted to participate in kind of a civic engagement as well as uh, as well as we got students involved right uh, absolutely and you know in the early days a lot of them were university students right and people um, majoring in IT uh, you know I was surprised we actually had some uh, state uh, IT people mm-hmm. you know oftentimes a lot of the IT people uh, are uh, implementing and supporting uh, applications that we um, contract for. And, uh, you know, so a lot of our IT guys don't actually get the opportunity to uh, to develop code. So uh, I do know and remember over the last seven years, there, there have been uh, IT people in the state that um, have joined teams and um, participated so, I mean, it, it uh, really has changed. And then, obviously, I, I wanted to get high school students involved because, uh, you know, I, I learned to code when I was uh, a junior in high school, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I always thought that it would be great. And as you know, I have been um, promoting uh, IT coursework in our public schools as part of the curriculum and really wanted to uh, encourage um, teachers who are teaching it uh, to work with their students to participate. So that really uh, has been a growing part of the hack. You know, that's, uh, that, that is great. And, you know, the, I, I remember seven years ago, yeah, we had, uh, uh, I think the first one was over at HPU, and then I think the, it, it got larger, and it, we actually had to do it over at East West Center, <laughs> and we had... Uh, I, I got to hand it to you because I remember we uh, 
showcased, I think, about 20. We, we timed it so that 20 teams could all present their, their resulting uh, uh, creation, their prototype. Uh, but they only had like five minutes. So we had to make sure that you know, it wasn't like a marathon, kind of a marathon demo period for the judges because you know that's a long period of time to have that many people you know doing all the presentations but i do want to i want to get uh doug into this conversation and i want to kind of get his perspectives on what the experience was uh as he took on you know the hack uh when he became cio so we'll uh, hold that thought we'll take a short break and when we return we'll be uh Joined again by Governor David Ige and Doug Murdoch, and we'll be continuing our conversation about the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Governor David Ige and the state's Chief Information Officer, Doug Murdoch. And, of course, we're talking about the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge, and the seventh annual is, is coming up uh, pretty quick. And, of course, right before the break, uh, we were talking, kind of reminiscing of some of the code challenges in, in uh, Governor's uh, first term. And, and, Doug, you came in, and you came in probably around – the the third uh you know annual code challenge and what was it what was it like for you back then when when all of a sudden you know you're into this job and oh here's this annual code challenge what is this what do, what do I do now how was that experience yeah thanks for the question Bert we we really have a great infrastructure of people that are volunteering to help run the Hawaii annual code challenge we have a great website with a lot of information on it you know we had essentially run books that told us how to build everything and, and make everything happen. Uh, an executive committee that takes care of, and then we have a lot of sponsors that, that support the program. So really I was able to just pick it up and keep it running with the people that we had in place already. And I, I hope that infrastructure will allow us to keep running it on into the future. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I do want to talk a little bit about the future of the, of the code challenge. Governor, were, were there things that you recall as uh, as a result of some of the projects that came out of the hack that that maybe are are uh, top of mind, you know, memorable occasions uh, as a result of the code challenge. Yeah, you know, Bert, I think the real uh, part, a real important part of that right is getting the the agencies, pub, you know, public servants to really think about the challenges they have, and and uh, invite the the coders to really come in and work it. You know, the one that I remember vividly because I actually sat through some of their presentations was really our correctional facilities and uh, trying to uh, schedule uh, visitations uh, in the correctional facilities. And, uh, you know, the original presentation from the agencies, I I mean, everything was done old school to the max, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the... The person in charge of visitations had a whole bunch of post-it notes. They had a calendar. You know, people, um, um, inmates would call in or or the people wanting to visit them would call in and uh, request to meet um, a visitation. And they would put it on post-it notes. And, you know, and when they could confirm it, they had to 
call them back. And, uh, you know, it was just a huge challenge. And, um, you know, they felt terrible about um, the employees felt terrible about such. Uh, it was such a challenge to to get people scheduled so they could visit um, visit uh, their friends and loved ones who were incarcerated. Um, and, um, you know, the, the teams really got into it, and it's amazing. You know, they applied um, uh, smartphones and um, um, text alerts and all kinds of different ways. Um, they, they built a platform to uh, make, take the request and schedule people. And, you know, it, it gets complicated. They were saying that, you know, um, sometimes um, I, uh, someone incarcerated would have uh, multiple girlfriends that were coming in and oh, wanted yeah, to visit right, them. Right. Yeah, and, they, and you know, you got to keep them apart or schedule them separate and all kinds of stuff. So uh, it was uh, remarkable because um, the, the teams actually developed a, a working prototype that incorporated text messaging and, you know, allowed uh, visitors to cancel via text and uh, a whole number of things. And, you know, for the staff, it really reduced their um, their work because everything was manual uh, previously. Um, and it really was a breath of fresh air for corrections because, you know, they just, uh, you know, a lot of public servants, they just live with whatever the situation is and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they make the best of it. Um, they're so dedicated to their jobs. Uh, and it was uh, terrific to see um, how different their life um, became because of the application of the technology. So, Governor, let me ask you this. Uh, you you bring up the fact that, you know, the coders and, and students who want to get involved with perhaps coming up with some ideas on solving some some problems that uh, are presented. How, how did you go out and, and sort of uh, get some of the departments that sometimes may be a little bit reluctant about going in front of a, you know, an audience and, and sharing an actual challenge. How did you get them to come up with ideas? And, and a lot of these are coming from the, the actual departments, whether it's the corrections, uh, public, public safety, you have the folks over at the Department of Ag, uh, you got um, people like uh, you know, me and DBED. I mean, we're, we're pitching some, some ideas. I mean, how, how is it that you get the departments to participate? You know, part of that, is, you know, in the early days, um, Bert, it was a lot harder just because uh, you, sometimes public servants are risk averse. Mm-hmm. and You know, nobody really wants to draw attention. So uh, we actually had to actively go out and go out and recruit people. I mean, we talked about it in the cabinet and I stressed how important I, I felt the hack was. And, uh, you know, and I uh, I emphasize with the directors that it's really about um, exposing, you know, your employees to technology and the use of technology. Uh, And we really want to connect them to um, working a project and working an issue and, um, you know, developing a solution with the the various teams. Um, You know, and it it really has been uh, terrific in helping um, to facilitate that. And once the hack really started going, um, you know, it got easier and easier for uh, agencies to want to participate um, because they realized that it would 
give them the opportunity to apply technology. Um, and, you know, it is kind of fun to work with these teams and uh, see um, starting from nothing, uh, having something that can actually work. Yeah, I, I do definitely agree. And, Doug, you know, when ETS, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, what, what really helped to move this along every year was the sort of the uh, institutional knowledge that that was gained by ETS uh, e- uh, ETS over the years, and and I think ETS played a pretty major role in in actually reaching out and doing some of the outreach to some of the departments. Uh, was there much coercing on your part to get get the departments to get involved? You know, people out there are so creative, and we just have to kind of unleash those creative juices and get people thinking about what's possible. So. You know, a couple of the great ideas we had last year were um, to create an application that would allow somebody to take a picture of marine life uh, that was beached like a, a, a turtle or something mm-hmm. and um, be able to report that to DLNR with a GPS location of the actual animal that was there. So several teams built great applications to help DLNR with that. And then we had another one for the pet quarantine uh, office mm-hmm. for the Department of Agriculture that would allow people to keep track of their pet and when they would get out of quarantine and things like that. So, you know, people come up with really good ideas. And, you know, for the students to build the, the prototype, you know, it, it's very interesting. And we have a tech judge that, that looks at all of the prototypes to see that they actually work because they have to work. And this year, one of the things we were doing based on last year, last year we saw that some people were using, you know, code and some were using basically low code or no code. So this year we've created two different categories. So there'll be a full code category and then a low code, no code category for the students and other competitors to compete in. And, and, uh, you know, I often ask the question, you know, what happens to some of these uh, prototypes? And, Doug, you, you did a great job kind of showcasing some of the ones that, that uh, were top of mind for you. But what happens to them once the code challenge is, is uh, finished? Well, we occasionally have had departments actually go then to a vendor and say, can you build something like this for me with the prototype in hand? And that does make it easier to explain what it is you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So there have been a few of the prototypes that have actually been carried forward into actual production. Well, that's, that's encouraging because I think, you know, it's, it's not only the experience of going through the code challenge and, and coming up with the prototype and spending the – you know the untold hours uh, developing it, but uh, seeing seeing it actually come to life after the code challenge in some form is, I think, often very gratifying for you know the participants. You know, I do want to uh, uh, get back to what's going to happen in the seventh annual code challenge. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, what's coming up in the very very uh, near future. So we want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Governor David Ige and, of course, the state CIO, Doug Murdoch, and we're talking about the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Ulupono Initiative. Welcome back. This is Bike Marks Cafe on HPR One. I'm Bert Lamy. If you're just joining us, we've got David Ige, Governor David Ige, and, and of course the state CIO, uh, 
Chief Information Officer Doug Murdoch. And we're talking about the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. And, and right before the break, um, you know, Doug was sharing some of the cool applications that kind of came out of the Code Challenge and, and how they may have taken shape, you know, in terms of an actual solution for some of the uh, departments. And, and Doug, you know, what, what's happening with the um, seventh annual? What, what are some of the key dates that people should keep in mind? Well, I'm looking here at the website, and it says we're 23 days, 20 hours, and 31 minutes from the start of the 7th Annual (laughs) Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. The first events are on October 4th and 5th, which are pre-event workshops. One's going to be put on by Salesforce and the other by Microsoft. And then the actual kickoff of the hack will be on October 15th. And then there are some other days. They're all listed on the website at hacc.hawaii.gov. The team presentations and judging will be done on November 5th. So one of the things that's different about this hack compared to other hacks is most hacks last for a day or a weekend. This hack happens over a period of at least four weeks from kickoff to to actually uh, judging. So people have time to really work on these ideas and get them ready. You know, that's, uh, you know, you got to do a refresh, Doug, because mine says uh, 23 days and 17 hours. <laughs> hey, Governor, Governor, so, you know, when, um, <clears throat> when, the, when the pandemic hit and, and the code challenge kind of went virtual, I, I know you, you love to kind of be there with, you know, everybody face-to-face, you know, with the crowd. How, did, how do you feel about it kind of going virtual, and what were some of the kind of the pros and cons? I mean, the, the pro was we could still do it, but uh, yeah. you kind of lost, you know, it was not as, as like, like, you know, human-to-human Given the you know given the pandemic, yeah, I mean, Bert, you you know, I mean, the the technology we always knew, coding is definitely something you can do remote, and uh, you, you know you don't need to be in person. But um, as you know, um, you know, part of the fun of the event is actually being with a bunch of other geeks, yeah, and, um, and being able to meet and brainstorm and. Um, and talk about the different challenges, um, you know, and you make friends and, um, you know, some of them continued on till today. So, um, you know, we were glad that um, ETS um, did organize the virtual um, hack so we could continue to have the activity. But um, it's always great to be back in person. And, you know, there's so much interaction that, that happens. Uh, just because you're in the same place at the same time. Um, and we do know that that's uh, just an important part of the hack. So um, we're, we're glad uh, to, to hopefully be back in person. So this one, this one is still going to be kind of virtual, but uh, Governor, I mean, what do you, what do you think the, the future of the hack is? And, and uh, would you be would you be uh, there to kind of welcome everybody for the uh, the the eighth annual? What's what's your prediction of the future? Well, certainly, I I would want to see it continue. Uh, you know, I this um, half really ended up being a win 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 on all fronts. I think you know it uh, got uh, universities organized to support uh, coding and application development. Um, you know, we were able to expand it to the high school students. And it really does give uh, our public servants in the various agencies the opportunity to be exposed to tech solutions, which, 
I, I think really helps us do a better job of delivering more to the public with less. So, you know, I'm certainly going to continue to advocate that the hack um, continue. You know, I do think that we um, have a great team at ETS. And as Doug had mentioned, you know, there are um, external organizations and people that help us in, um, execute the program. And that's really important. And, um, you know, and ETS has done a good job in finding uh, sponsors. Mm-hmm which has really helped. So I, I'm hoping that the hack can continue. I, I know that the participants find um, a lot of value in, in the hack, and certainly there seems to be growing every year. And, and Doug, uh, I, are you, how, how do you see perhaps uh, continuing the hack and having ETS you know, be supportive of, of the event going forward? Well, we definitely want to keep this thing going, and, you know, we keep coming up with new ideas, like I talked about a minute ago, the, you know, the coding versus no code or low code. Mm -hmm. And another thing we're doing new this year is we're having a mentorship program where we have people who are in industry coming back to help mentor some of the contestants. For example, we have somebody from Microsoft who is in an important position there now who was actually a participant in the first Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. So wow. it's kind of neat to see the success of some people that went through the, the hack, and now they're in, in industry out there in the IT world. So we're going to keep it going. So, so Doug, you just, you know, you just uh, introduced something new to me, which is the, the, the no-code. What is, what is it? Low-code, no-code. And I'm, I've been hearing more and more about that. So is it enough of a movement to actually create another category? What is low-code, no-code? Well, low-code, no-code is more about picking choices on, you know, with your mouse instead of typing in commands. So you may be picking a, you know, if it was a game, you might choose, you know, jump, 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 you know, pick something up. You know, instead of typing it, you would just click on a button that says jump. I see, I see. And that's a way you could actually build code, you know, for what would happen. So... Um, there are tools, you know, Salesforce to some degree works that way. You can do no code, low code in Salesforce, but you can also do coding in Salesforce. And we have something called Microsoft Power Apps. Those are the two things that the pre-event workshops are going to cover on the 4th and 5th of October. So if people are interested, they can attend those workshops and learn more. And there's more information also on the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge website. Now, uh, which also has rules and judging criteria and educator resources and all kinds of tools, and then also has information on all the past events and past winners. Now, Governor, I, I want to give you the last minute, and, and I want you to share. What are you? I know you said somewhere, uh, and, and I think it was like on, in Civil Beat or something, that uh, when you're were Paul doing the, the governorship, you're, you want to learn how to code. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Are you gonna Are you gonna do the low code, no code? What do you What do you have in mind? <laughs> well, you you know how it is, uh, Bert. Um, uh, when I was going to the College of Engineering, uh, we were learning COBOL, and I understand uh, that talent is coming back, but that's a mainframe language, and um, other than these uh, legacy systems, you know, no no new application is being developed in COBOL. So mm-hmm. it's I, you know, I'm still interested in tech. I um, definitely feel like I want to spend some time going back to to school and taking classes. 
you know, there's a lot of platforms that uh, didn't exist when I was a student. And obviously, I just really haven't had the time uh, to spend in um, in many of these areas. So, well, well uh, Governor, you know, I'm going to definitely have you back and, and you can share what your new hobbies are once uh, once uh, you're uh, past the uh, the governorship. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have both you, Governor David Ige, and of course, the uh, CIO Doug Murdoch on the show. I want to thank you for joining us today. And of course, thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about what school could be. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarscafe.org. Our uh, engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HP app or, or on your favorite podcast application. You stay safe, you stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Mars Cafe. Of course, stay tuned. Reveal is next. Oh,